we didn't have a, a, a drummer on hand this morning, so I know that prayer seemed a little bit different, but um, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer for these many needs that we already have, and we want to continue to remember. Um, it's good to have Sister Tackett with us this morning, and I'm glad that she's here. Continue to remember them as, uh, as they are finalizing everything in their move and transitioning and it's not easy. Um, I definitely can tell you it's definitely not easy when you've, you've spent uh, 40 years in one place and you're having to relocate and refine homes and deal with things that are still here. But we need to continue to remember them that God would give them peace and clarity and that open doors that need to open for them. We know that God is already providing doors and um, providing jobs, but... It just God would just cover them with peace and, and strength as they are making this process. Continue to remember that family uh, and the, just many other needs that we have, the many unspoken requests that we have. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer real quick this morning. God, we're so thankful for your mercy and for your grace that you have given us. We're thankful for your loving kindness and your sufficient mercy, oh God, that has been new every morning. We ask that you would touch each need that we bring before you today. God, you know every unspoken request. You know every sick body. You know every home and every heart that is struggling, oh God. Will you see, Lord God, the stress that is upon our families and our homes and our jobs, God? We ask that you would cover them all. Keep your hand upon the Tackett family in this time of transition. God, we ask that your strength and your cover would be upon this church. Continue to touch our lives as we begin to make them more open to you, Lord. We're asking for you to have your way. We're asking for you to orchestrate ways out of no ways right now, God. We're asking you to make highways and byways out of wilderness experiences, God. We know that you have the answers in your hand. We know that you have a way provided already, God. We're asking in the precious name of Jesus to cover us all. We're asking in your mighty name, and everybody say amen. 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 Um, if you remain standing for just a few moments, I'm going to take you to the Word of God real quick, but we have a few announcements that I, I want to make you aware of. Um, the Easter candy needs to be turned in by Sunday the 13th. And so um, ask everyone that can bring candy so that we can load them in eggs and we can have a special service, uh, Easter service for the kids on that beautiful Easter morning that we are expecting. So everybody, if you can, anyone that can bring candy, but it needs to be turned in by the 13th. Amen. And next, sun, next Saturday, April 9th, the women are going to be gathering here at the church at 1030 for a time of fellowship, a time of word. Uh, Sister Warbington is going to be uh, speaking that morning and having providing breakfast and little, uh, little whatever. <laughs> I, I've never, I, I, have, I have, I've got the, I spoke at a women's event one time and that was one, that was it. That's all it took, one time. I, I was a fish out of water. I didn't know what was happening. And so I said, get me out of here. And, um, but the women are going to have a great time. We love everyone that can to be here. Women only, not everyone that can, every woman that can. I want to clarify that. I, we, don't, we don't need, even though if they might have some good food, we don't need to show up. If they want us to have something, they'll bring it home to us. Um, uh, but April 9th at 1030. Um, Sister Marilyn also um, has got some seeds for some flowers that she's been planting over the past year at the church. She's got them on a table out there. If you want to give a donation, those donations will come to the church. But I do want to make a statement real quick about Sister Marilyn. She has done such a fantastic job, and she does a fantastic job 
Um, she, she comes on Saturdays and she, she cleans in the church and, um, and so she takes care of a lot of that. But I, I have many times looked out the window or been outside doing a work or doing something at the house and she's been, you know, fooling in the garden. But there's been a special request by her family that she not stress herself out so much with the work in the garden. So as we begin to try to, we're going to come together, I'm going to get with some guys, and we're going to try to figure out what we're going to do and, and, and make the gardening of the church a little bit more feasible, easy, um, and, and not as much hard work on somebody. But we are not going to put that on Sister Marilyn, and we don't want that to be on her, and her family doesn't want that on her. So we're going to try to figure out a plan of what we're going to do with the flower gardens outside. So um, we're going to get a couple of guys. We're going to talk about that. But why don't we give her a hand clap of appreciation just for how she's, she has kept it beautiful. She works very hard and very diligently. And we want her to know that we really appreciate that. Also, Sister Dawn is putting together Easter baskets, but it's going to be per order, pre-order only. Um, so you can't get an order to her on Easter Day. I would say the deadline would be due the week of Easter before Easter Sunday, at least before Wednesday before Easter Sunday. Um, so if you would like to order an Easter basket for a child or a loved one, please submit a pre-order for an Easter basket to her before then. Amen? Amen? All right. We're so thankful for a wonderful church body that is always working hard and working diligent uh, for, for families in this church, for the, the coming together of this church, and, and making it really a church family. I mean, how many other places do you go and, and they're trying to work to provide Easter baskets for everyone? I mean, so we're, we're, we definitely are ex expecting a, a great Easter. I would also um, like to uh, request that the Saturday before Easter, I know that there's going to be a lot of family coming in, but the Saturday before Easter, can we come together as a church and make it a church work day? And we'll clean the sanctuary. We'll, we'll do some touch-ups in the, in the yard, and we'll just make everything as, as polished and as spick and span as we possibly can. I'm expecting God to do a great thing for this Easter. I know. That's okay. Come on. You can, you can be excited about that. I, I know it's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be faces that are not here that have been here for years. But um, we're, we're going to make the best and we're going to continue to move forward in that. And so uh, we're expecting to have a great Easter service. So invite somebody. Bring somebody. Uh, we're going to start canvassing this town. We're making preparations to do things like some tent revivals like we used to do back in the old days. And we did them in Bible college, and they, they were always great. It was an, always a great outreach tool. But let's, let's just go back to, to having Pentecost where, where we used to be Pentecost. And so we're, we're making preparations to do some tent revivals and do some outdoor services, but we're going to start canvassing the city. But invite somebody to come and join us for Easter Sunday. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. We know the praise and worship team is working very hard. Sunday school teachers are prepping their lessons very hard. So let's make it the best Easter that we can possibly make it. Amen? Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to take you to 2 Samuel chapter 6 for a few moments. I'm not going to take too long. I know that I've said that in the past, and I ended up preaching 35 minutes, so hopefully I won't even make it to 30. Um, so 2 Samuel chapter 6 is verse 13, 13 through 17. 
2 Samuel chapter 6. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he, that he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And it was there that David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord which came into the city of David. It was then that Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and there she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord, and they set it in its place, and in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it, and there David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. In the process, David was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, which had been missing from Israel for a number of generations, for a number of years. And in this moment, David is bringing forth a sense of urgency in his spirit. And he is dancing before the Lord with all of his might. Before that they would place the ark into the place where he had set before it, before he had prepared for it, he was here that David was already getting into the mindset of praising God for what God was getting ready to do. And so it is with that thought, and I'm going to talk from this subject this morning, and I pray that the word of God would come from the throne room of heaven and touch your hearts, but I want to speak on this subject. I refuse the chains. I refuse the chains. We've got to get a mindset of being free. We've got to get a mindset of being free. We've got to get a mindset of being free. We've got to get a mindset of being free, free to worship, free to praise, free to exalt, free to dance, free to shout. We've got to get a mindset of having victory. We've got to have a mindset of going forward. We've got to have a mindset of not being locked in a place where we have been. We've got to get into a mindset of seeing God doing greater things that are in store for us. We've got to get a mindset of God bringing our children back. We've got to see a mindset of overcoming once again. We've got to have a mindset of having joy in our life once more. I refuse the chains. Come on, can we lift up our hearts and our voices and pray? Let me hear you pray this morning. God, in the precious name of Jesus, we speak a word of victory in the house today. We speak a word of anointing over every heart, every mind, every spirit, and every soul in the house today, oh God. Lord, give us the spirit of an overcomer today. God, we're asking that you would loose a word of victory in our hearts and our spirit that would be loose in this sanctuary, loose in our home. Let it be loose in our job. Let it be loose in our family and our children and our children's children. We rejoice on behalf of victory that you have given us through the blood of Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb, oh God. We sing a song of salvation and deliverance today. We clap our hands in freedom and deliverance today, oh God. We ask that you would lose that in the name of Jesus right now in your church and in your sanctuary. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't we clap our hands and exalt Him one more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you glory. You can be seated. And it is so often because of the issues that we face and the situations that we are in that we find best to hold back because we don't know how everything is going to work out. 
we know that we can determine according to Scripture that all things work together for our good, but our mindset shifts to what if it doesn't? What, what can happen? What else can go wrong? I, I'm doing the best that I can to hang on as strong as I can, but my heart is not enduring the test. My strength is not enduring the season. And so we have a tendency to get locked into a situation that we cannot see our way out of. And so we have a tendency to not being able to see the sun rising on the morning. We have a tendency to not being able to see the hand of God moving on our behalf in the midst of healing or in the midst of calamity, in the midst of uncertainty or, or in circumstance. We, we find ourselves so emotionally locked down that we become prisoners of our emotions and prisoners of the problem. We're afraid of what's in front of us because we don't know what's there. We're afraid of what's in store because we don't even know what can happen. We already know what has happened. We know what's possible if we don't get the answer. We know what's possible if God doesn't move. We know what's possible if the situation doesn't change. But how are we going to get through this? How can we make it through this? And if God does move, what has changed? What's lost? What's not going to be there on the other side of the storm that was there before? And so fear overcomes faith. And we are locked into an emotional prison. And we have no idea of how we will ever break through. We're not been given the spirit of love, fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have not been loosed again to the yoke of bondage, but we have been given freedom through the authority of Jesus Christ. That through Him we have life and we have life more abundantly. And He who the Son has been made, who's made free, has been made free indeed. But our emotions are not free. Our faith is not free. Our spirit is therefore not free and we have been locked into a prison of fear and we have no idea on how to break through. Fear will declare to us that this is the way that it will always be. Fear will say that it will never be different from this any longer. Fear will say you will always suffer from this, but the sound mind says to stand still and see the salvation of God. A sound mind declares to our hearts that the Lord will be glorified in this and there will be healing. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. A sound mind is not afraid to sing a song in the midst of a storm because a sound mind is made up. I know in whom I have trusted. My God is able to deliver. A sound mind is one whose hope and in whose trust is in the Lord. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we have decided to put our trust in 
the Lord. I have seen God work. I have seen him move. I have seen what he can do in a moment. And therefore, I will not fear. And I will not break down. And I will not be pushed out. I refuse the chains of the situation that tells me that my God will not. I refuse the chains of the situation that says I will come out of this broken and I will never recover. I refuse the chains of the situation that said there will be no healing and there will be no joy. There will be no singing. There will be no dancing. I refuse the chains of pain that tell me that there will be no growth or there will be no revival. There will be no restoration. My fear tells me one thing, but a sound mind tells me that my God who I serve is able to keep me and deliver. My God will work. My God will heal. My God will open a door. My God will make a way. I have not forgotten what God is able to do. I have not forgotten what God has promised me. I have not forgotten the goodness and the blessings of God. Have we so soon forgotten in the midst of personal pain every miracle that he has ever brought upon us, every way that he has made when there seemed to be no rain, every storm that he has calmed and he has brought peace that passes understanding. Have we soon so forgotten how great and how majestic God is? We can praise God and we can dance and we can shout over what God does in someone else's life. But when pain and calamity comes in our own, we can't see how God... We become chained to the problems that we can't see ourselves out of. We no longer have a sound mind because it is chained to the worries and the cares that the problem has brought upon us. And we have already decided that the situation is over before the situation has even completely played itself out. You don't even know how it's going to end, but you've already given up. Mary and Martha put Lazarus in a tomb when the Lord had already said that the sickness was not unto death. And before the situation could even play itself completely out, they are already putting him behind a stone and saying it's over and it's done with. When the Lord had already given them a promise, the Lord had already given them a word. I want you to hear me somebody today that you haven't even gotten to the end of the situation yet and you're already counting it over and done, but God is getting ready to move. He's getting ready to work. Don't say it's over when it's not over. Don't count it lost when it's not lost. Don't say it's not redeemable. There may be a long journey still yet ahead. And that's a lot of space for God to work because he can do more in a moment. He can do more in a minute. He can do more in the twinkling of an eye. But we're broken and we're locked down by the chains that the situation has brought into our life. And we long for the breakthrough. We long for God to bring an offensive push that penetrates and carries us beyond the defensive line and warfare. 
warfare. We're looking for God to back for, for an act or an instance of breaking through an obstacle and breaking through the wall or the barrier that is before us. But yet, it's not the breakthrough that we need to worry about because we know that the glory of God is going to be on the end. We know that God is going to work. We know that God is going to be praised. We know God is going to get His. We know that God is going to be lifted up. We, we know in the midst of pain and in the midst of peril, at some point it's going to change and it's working together for our good. We know at some point our morning is going to turn into dancing and the oil of joy is going to praise that morning. We know the garment of praise is going to replace that garment of heaviness and brokenness. We know that the sackcloth and ashes are going to replace with a song and a shout and a dance of victory. We don't worry about the breakthrough. We know God's going to break through. We know the But the point of a breakthrough means nothing if you cannot break out of the mentality and refuse the chains of the situation. So the sad part is a lot of people still carry the hurts of their past around with them because even though God has made a way, they are still chained to the problems that were broken through in their life. Even though God has already authored a, a new life and a new way out for them, they are still locked into the mindset of who they were and who hurt them, who broke them, who cursed them, who walked away from them. You carry the chains of the problem with you and you drag it around and you won't allow yourself to break out. You want God to always break through. But what good is it to live in liberty when you are not free in your spirit? If you're always going to carry the mentality of what broke and what went wrong with you, what good is it that God would break you through if you've never broken out? If God would destroy the walls of the prison, but you're still locked in the prison cell of your emotions. When God has made a way for you to get out, but you're still locked in a room with a lock and key and you don't know how you're ever going to live beyond the boundary of what has been before you, it's time for we get to declare that we refuse the chains of the situations that had us once bound. And we embrace the liberty where Christ has made us free. We embrace the newness. We embrace the worship. We embrace the praise. We embrace the shout of victory. We replace the dance. We got to start having a mindset. Hey, it's not over yet. There is still much yet to fight. It's not over yet. There's still much joy coming. There's still many blessings coming. There's still a revival coming. There's still victory ahead. There's still anointing ahead. There's still joy ahead. There's still songs ahead. There is still a great harvest coming our way. I can't think about what's behind me. I can't think about what I'm trying to get out of. I can't think about what hurt me 10 years ago. Who's not here? Who left? No. We need a violent or forceful break from the restraining condition of a situation. We need to break out before we ever break through. We need to learn how to praise God before He brings the miracle. We need to learn how to worship God before He opens the door of healing. We need to learn how to dance in the waiting of a promise. 
We need to learn how to clap our hands in expectation of a move of God that hasn't even happened yet. We need to get the mentality of a breakout before God even breaks us through. That's where faith comes in. I refuse the chains of the situation. I refuse the chains of what we don't have. I refuse the chains of where we're not yet. I refuse the chains of being locked into where we used to be. I refuse the chains of always being broken in spirit and broken in mind. I've got a mentality of breaking out. Many people never find freedom in their heart. Because even though God makes a way for them, they are still locked into the emotional prison that they've been in. David was bringing back the ark of the Lord because generations had lived without it. But it was time to go and get it. And as he was bringing it back, they failed on their first journey because the first decision that David had in bringing back the ark of the Lord, the Bible says that they decided to put it on a cart. And that was the way that the Philistines had decided that they were going to deal with it. You know, I'm going to tell you something right now. Just because some people can get by with that, and that's how they maintain their relationship with God. Just because some people want to do it that way and their way doesn't mean that that's the way that God orchestrated a relationship to be. Because there are a lot of people that they say they have a relationship with God where there is no personal connection with them and their Savior. All the Philistines knew about the ark of the Lord as they put it in the, in the temple of their God, Dagon. And they walked in and Dagon had fallen before the ark of the covenant. And his hands were broken and his face were gone. And, and the Philistines said, we don't want anything to do with this God. You know, they didn't understand how to orchestrate it. They didn't know how to please him. They, they didn't know anything about his power. They didn't know anything about his ability. All they had known is they had seen the presence of God work on behalf of the children of Israel for generations. And it was just stories that they had ever heard but now they were seeing the power of this majestic God work and destroy the face and the hands of their only God and so we can't deal with that and they put it on a cart and they sent it down the way and it was good for them but that's not how the presence of God is to be handled in our life when you know who he is and you know what he expects so after the David goes to the house to the land of Bethshemesh, and the sons of Bethshemesh had had an impersonal encounter with the Ark of the Lord. And David goes and he begins to fetch it out of their hands and he puts it on a cart and he begins to send it down the way. Because after all that he had heard, that's how everybody else was doing it. And now I'm gonna tell you this: everybody is looking for an easy way out. Everybody wants a gospel that's pleasing to their ears. Everybody wants salvation without repentance. Everybody wants deliverance without baptism. But Jesus said, lest a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. That, that wasn't any preacher. That was the words of Jesus. And I promise you, if Jesus said it, that's what I'm going to take. There was a word that had come and he said, lest you be born again of water and the spirit, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. It was just years later, Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. 
and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God they shall call. I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing that will ever replace repentance and baptism when it comes to your deliverance. I don't care what church will do it and I don't care what preacher will preach it. It's not going to happen from this pulpit because it was declared from the word of God. You may want to put the ark on a cart and send it down its way. But when God says that's not the way that you handle my presence, if you can't be personal with me, the Bible said that many shall come in that day saying, Master, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not pray in your name? And he will respond to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never. You can be impersonal with it all you want to, but look for your easy way out. But you're going to live with the chains of your addiction. You're going to live with the chains of your bondage. And the first trial that ever comes your way, you're going to keep going back to what had you bound in the first place. You don't need just a breakthrough. You need to break out. I refuse the chains. The Bible said that David left the ark in the house of Obadidom. And it was there that Obadidom honored the ark like no other had honored it before. And the Bible said for three months that it stayed in the house of Obadidom, and Obadidom and his entire house began to be blessed. There is something that happens when you begin to respect the presence of God the way that it needs to be respected. And when you begin to honor the presence of God the way that it needs to be honored, I'm telling you, God will turn the tide of your life. God will change the atmosphere of your home. It'll change the direction of your family. Because when they begin to hear how blessed Obadidom and his house was, David said, we've got to bring that back. And that's the kind of relationship that we need to have. That's the kind of relationship that was promised in the first place. That's the way the anointing should operate in a home that's the way the work of God begins to operate in a family when I'm hearing how Obadidom and his sons are blessed everything that they touch and this is not a name it and claim it kind of this is about how you handle the relationship with God in your home how you relation, handle the relationship with an atmosphere of God leading you and God Obadidom said it's here and I'm going to cherish it it's here and I'm going to take care of it and because Obadidom began to nourish the relationship when David came to take the ark of the Lord out of the house of Obadidom the Bible said that Obadidom and his sons followed the ark because anywhere that presence goes Anywhere that God goes, anywhere that relationship goes, when you are in relationship, that's where you follow. And this time David said, we're going to do it right. And they bore the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders the way that it was ordained. The way that God said, this is how you handle it. This is how... I want to tell you, when you haven't prayed on a day, it should weigh on your heart. I haven't talked to God today. When you haven't broken through in a situation, it should weigh down in your spirit. You know what? I shouldn't have to think this way. I shouldn't have to feel this way. I shouldn't have to be broken this way. When you haven't handled it the right way, there should be a weight that comes upon you because 
There is a way that the Lord ordained His presence to be handled. David says we can't do it just that way. Every six paces they stopped and they made a sacrifice and David danced before the ark of the Lord because David refused the chains to live in the captivity of what he didn't have up until that point. David refused to live in the weight of what never broke through up until that point. What miracles they never had up until that point. What healing they never had up until that point. David danced before the ark of the Lord with all of his might because he refused the chains of unanswered prayers. He refused the chains of years of brokenness. He refused the chains of what it was like to feel empty inside. He refused the Chains of help. We don't want to bear the ark the way that we should, but we have a spiritual responsibility to give God everything that He deserves in the manner. The Bible said, who should ascend to the heel of the Lord, but he that hath clean hands in a pure heart. There's something about when you're coming into the presence of God. You say, I don't know if there's anything that I have done. I don't know what all I have done, but God cleansed my heart, created me a clean heart, renewed a right spirit within me. Let me not lift my hands unto wrath. Oh God, let me lift up holy hands unto you, Lord. Oh God, whatever's wrong inside of me, make it right. Whatever thoughts I've had, whatever words I've said, whatever things that I've done that were not pleased to you God make my steps pure so that when I can get to the house of the Lord I can touch you oh God with a pure heart he made sacrifices every six paces he refused the chains of the situation Zacchaeus was a sinner when he climbed up the tree but the moment the Lord spoke to him before he even touched the ground he had already determined in his heart that he was going to make everything right he was going to return sevenfold to anything or to anyone that he had ever done wrong I'm telling you something he had a mentality of breaking out before God ever broke him through before the Lord even declared into his life today was the day of salvation he had already made up in his mind I'm not going to live with the weight any longer Sister Warbington, if you would come. Sometimes we'll be there. We'll be right. We'll be right at the cusp of a breakthrough. We'll be right at the cusp of a mentality that says, you know what? I'm not going to live with this fear any longer. You'll be right there. Right there. We've prayed for the sick. We've prayed for families. The word of God is coming forth and you're just right there. You're on that edge and you're just, I'm ready. I'm ready for the chains. I'm ready for the, for the healing. I'm ready for salvation. I'm ready for deliverance. I'm ready to move to the path of a new direction. I'm ready for God to do the work. I'm ready to see it accomplished. You'll be right there. But then there's a stop. And you've never really broken out. And the problem is that your problems come back again. Your situation comes back again. Your pain comes back again. In the book of Judges, the 16th chapter, the Bible said that after failed attempts in Samson's life, 
Samson had a tendency to keep falling into the bad situation over and over and over and over and over again. The Bible said in Judges, the 16th chapter, that when Samson went down, he went bent down to to the land of the Philistines again that they decided, hey, he's here. Let's take him. Their plan was in the morning, we're going to take him. The plan was to attack. Samson's problem was is he would never destroy the yoke of bondage that he had in his life. He didn't learn the lesson when his first wife was taken from him and given to his friend after she she deceived him and, and took the answer to the riddle and gave it to the Philistines and made him look like a fool. He didn't learn the lesson after they would bind him and the, and the, bind, the cords on his hands would, 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 would turn into like broken uh, ash and he would break freely and he would slay a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. He didn't learn the lesson that the relationships in his life put him in bad situations. He didn't learn it. He had to keep going through it over and over and over and over. Judges, the 16th chapter, first three verses, the Bible said that he goes down again. And while he goes down, the Philistine says, hey, he's here. We're going to take him. Don't you think that your enemy knows where you are? Don't you think that your adversary knows what you struggle with and what you deal with? Oh, they ain't broken that chain. They haven't broken through that. They are still afraid. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of God not answering prayers. You're afraid of going back home and the situation being the same that it's always been. But you don't ever break through, break out. You're always expecting God to break through. But you're living with the mentality of failure. You live with the mentality that it's never going to change. You live with the mentality that there will never be a healing go home and you look at the pictures and you let that hurt come all the way back to you and you don't ever let the mentality that there is joy on the other side of the situation sink in and you let the thought, you let the emotions you let the panic, you let it all sink back in because you are still locked tight to a situation that God has a healing for that God has given you peace for and redemption for. But you don't refuse the chains. You haven't got the mindset of a breakout before the breakthrough yet. God has already made a way out, but you're still locked in. Samson hears that they're talking, and before the morning comes at midnight, Samson gets up and he takes the gates of the city and he puts them on his shoulder. Let me, let me give you a type and uh, uh, analogy right now. He has got the very kingdom of his oppression on his shoulder. And he has borne them. And he has taken them away. Post and all. 
I'm telling you, if this is the type that you need to take this to victory, this is where you got. Because I've got the kingdom of the enemy. And I've got them. And they've got no power over me. They've got no authority. This is the strength that I have in God. This is the anointing that I have in God. And the Bible says that he took the gates of the city. And he's everywhere I find my addiction. Everywhere that I find my brokenness. Everywhere I find my downfall. Everywhere I found my hurt. It can't control me any longer. I'm going to show you how powerful the work of God is in my life but here's what happens the Bible says that he drags them as far as one hill from Hebron there were, there were cities of refuge that the Lord had established that if any man or any woman had committed a fault or a sin if they could come into the city of refuge there would be no harm come to them there would be no judgment that would end them in death the city of refuge was a safe place the city of refuge was a hiding place the city of refuge was a place of salvation and deliverance and Samson carried the post of his problem all but one hill short of Hebron. He stopped short of complete redemption. And the very next thing that you find is that he goes right back to the city. He goes right back to the problem. And there he confides in a woman. And he opens everything from his heart. And they take everything from him. They took him strength. They took his hair. They took his eyes. They took his hope. They took his pride. Because he stopped one heel short. You get to the point. I'm just right there from breaking out. But I don't move. I'm one heel short of rejoicing. I'm one, but no, you stop short. Oh, like a grip of before Paul. Almost thou persuadest me. Almost. You almost persuaded me to get out of my comfort zone. You almost persuaded me to trust God beyond my own ability to trust anything. You almost got me to clap my you almost got me to shout. You almost got you almost got me to that altar to repent of my sins. You almost got me there, preacher. Oh my goodness. When will you refuse the chains? And allow your spirit to break out before God even breaks you through. When will you refuse to go back to where it is that you came from? When will you refuse to share that hurt and that bondage of what it is that God brought you out of? What is, when will you let it go and embrace what is ahead? Are you going to wait till the enemy takes everything from you and you've got no strength and you're going to need somebody to lean you up against the pillar and you're asking God for help one last time? mindset 
becomes something that you have to learn in the midst of the trial. After Samson had allowed his secret to be told and they cut his hair, they took his strength, they bound him with cords that he couldn't break. They put him in a prison. They took his eyes. He couldn't see. He had lost his pride. They made fun of him. They made sport of him because they had taken what a man that was once a champion, a man who had once been given authority, now had nothing. But the Bible said that in time, as he began to work the mill, that his hair would grow again. But it wasn't just the dependence on his hair and the strength of the promise of the Nazarite vow that began to grow. I'm going to tell you something. There was something that will happen to you when you begin to work in your adversity. Because the stronger he became was the more that they had him work. And the more work that you have to do to overcome something, the more work that you have to do to get out of something, the more work that you have to do to get that, the mentality of leaving something behind. When God finally, the stronger, the moment God finally allows you to break forth, the stronger you've already become, the stronger that you've already allowed. But as much physical strength as he had, Samson finally came to the place where his hands were leaning upon the pillar. He said, God, one more time. One more time will you give me strength that I will never live with the chains, that I will never live with the bondage, that I will never live with the stigma, that I will never live with a nightmare, that I will never live with the hurt. One more time, God. I'm asking for one more time. One more time, God, give me strength. One more time, let me break out. I refuse the chance. Come on, why don't you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Why don't you close your eyes and lift up your heart to the Lord? Come on, if you're tired of living with the chains, you're tired of living with the spirit of brokenness, you're tired of living with the spirit of loss and hurt in your life, it's time for you to let a mentality of breaking out come in. Before God heals you, why don't you get that past the mindset? Before God changes the situation, why don't you refuse the chains that come?
healing and deliverance in your life, why don't we clap our hands and praise Him one last time? Blessed be the name of the Lord who is on our side, who does wondrous works and does great things. Thank you for salvation and deliverance in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, let our praise, oh God, be from our mouth, from our hearts, and from our lips. God, we declare your name in joy and authority over our life, over every breath that we breathe, oh God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Oh, come on, let's. We ain't praised him enough yet. We ain't praised him enough yet. We ain't praised him enough yet. Come on, it's time we break out. Oh, yes. Church, prayer. church corporate prayer, first Tuesday of every month. That's Tuesday. We're gonna do, we're trying to work with the time so that we get more people involved. We'll do 6.30 to 7.30. So church and body prayer, 6.30, Tuesday night. See you there. Be there. Or be square. Or what she said. 